Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from Washington again. We're still in the great state of Washington because we have our guest, Jeff Troutman, back for a third time. Jeff has decided he's going to put himself on retainer with the two of us. Of course, I don't think that can involve anything financially, Jeff. What are you retaining? Yeah. <laughs> just just the, the right to hold court with the two of you is, uh, is adequate enough, yes. And we've actually moved to Hump Tulips, Washington. Yes. That's a far cry from Chuckanut. Hump Tulips. Yeah. Now we're yeah. into flower space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the tulip festival, no no more than eight more weeks, and uh, there'll be beautiful tulips there in Hump Tulips. Yes. So, JT, were you a flower child? Yeah, only by appearance, actually. Yeah, as I, I look back. <laughs> had your afro, yes. had your bell bottoms, your whole look going. The 70s were very kind to somebody that had hair that grew out all the when, when as a kid, all I wanted to do was to be able to have a flat top. If I could only have a flat top, it wasn't that way. So that decade was kind to my appearance. Ah, so you became a style master during that decade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fashion guy. Uh-huh. I lived it, did it. Can't get there anymore. I, I tried to get this out there one more time, but there's not enough of it to, to make it work. So Gray goes wiry, not curly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wiry. Wiry. You're wiry, mister. Yes. Well, we've been having a great time with Jeff talking about coaching, and we thought we might do something a little different in this particular session and kind of take a topic. Rather than talk about the nature of coaching, which we did in the first session, and then the structure of coaching in the second session, we've had the chance to be with JT. thought we'd pick a topic, and we talked through a couple different topics and landed on the one in terms of how coaching for us and for others might have changed as we went virtual. Obviously, the whole world went through a pandemic the last couple of years, and that caused organizations and relationships to change dramatically. What was once very much face-to-face, all of a sudden, that was not possible. And we had to begin to look for other ways, just like everyone else did, and began to do all of this stuff virtually. And so one of the things I wanted to raise and get Ray and Jeff talking about this is how did it change your coaching? You know, one, one thought for me, Bob, was thinking back in the late 80s and early 90s, I think you remember, I did career building seminars around the country for about three or four years. And we would end up picking up clients. I had an individualized career transition coaching program. At one point, and I still still can't believe this, I had about 50 people Ah. (laughs) doing some sort of coaching with, and it was all by phone. This was a highly entrepreneurial venture, and I was in a kind of, what can we do to make ends meet? And so uh, I was the solo guy that was speaking at workshops and seminars with a couple other guys, but I was the one that did the fall one work. Anyway... When I think about those days, I'm an auditory person by nature, so I would pick up a lot just by hearing someone. But most people are not that way. Mm. When we were able to start doing this, just like we're doing this today, and you could combine the visual audio, what a difference it made, and actually enabled somebody like me who was in a position where there could be long-distance work to actually do it much more proficiently when you could put the two together. 
So for me, the COVID piece was more a reminder of, well, I'm just doing what I've been doing in remote situations. Now I have to do that with somebody I could drive to see. Mm. You know, Jeff, that's very interesting. I had not remembered the remote being by phone, but a lot of my coaching, particularly with physicians who are part of the MBA program at UT, was by phone because they were all on campus four times a year. And what was fascinating to me is that I could, in fact, conduct a 45-minute to an hour coaching session with someone, but it took a lot more energy and it took a lot more effort to engage them in that form of remote where it was just audio mm-hmm. and having no visual. And as I remember it, those were very difficult sessions. Those are things I would not have wanted to continue, except that was what was necessary. So those different forms of remote, this form that allows you to see as well as hear is so superior. And I personally, I'm not a phone person. I don't like being on the phone. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost one dimensional. And there's so much lost, I mm. think, conversationally when you can't see. What I'm hearing the two of you say, and I certainly agree with it, the first move we made in this virtual world was to work by phone. That is to transition from face-to-face contact to phone contact. Like you said, Bear, it was a struggle. And the effort you had to put in to just manage the conversation over the phone was something that I actually began to back off of and began to say, well, I'm going to just not do it. I'm going to reduce my coaching load. And when more of these kinds of platforms, when I say these kinds of platforms, Zoom, et cetera, became more available to us. So interesting. So our first move was to go from face-to-face to telephone, and we found that not to be nearly as helpful, successful, more demanding, required more of us in terms of the actual engagement. Other observations? About that form of coaching? I, no, I about say, anything. The changes you had to make, what was the next move? Well, let me go ahead and ask a question then, and maybe that will give us some direction. What do you think we've lost by going to remote? Even if it's on the Zoom platform or it's a video-based so we can see each other, what would be your view of what's been lost in the process? You know, one of the things that comes to my mind is I think there is a ding somebody in their element. It's like talking with you here as we're doing today is helpful. I mean, I can see behind you, Ray, there's there's a cabinet there, a little sense of your space. And all the books I published. Yeah, all the, <laughs> all the books you published. And I mean, looking at Bob's because I've been in Bob's house in the last year. And I know where he's sitting, but uh, that's such a small sense of walking up to your house and going up to that room and you pick up so much more. And I think the same is true when you're working with somebody. And this could even be, um, I was in a video conference for a major hiring decision with with a client. And we were all convinced that this person who lived, you know, 2000 miles away was the person for the position. But how that person showed up on video, it was a disaster. Mm. It was Faster, there was something we did not pick up in that situation that in, in real time you pick up. And I think both on a negative, but even more on a positive side, getting part of coaching is understanding the ethos that this person's working in organizationally. And I think just seeing that little backstop of their office or wherever they are in a video isn't the same as walking in, walking up, uh, making friend of the gatekeeper, assistant who's there getting some sense of the environment and the things that may be working for them or against them, just cues you pick up because you're there. And I do think that it's hard to replace that in a video conference. To reinforce what Jeff's saying, I would say in a word, what we lose most by going from the previous face-to-face conversation to the Zoom conversation is context. 
And so my feeling is that it's hard to replace. You just pick up things when you're there face-to-face in an environment that is very difficult to pick up on Zoom. Now, I have to say, I'm willing to trade what I lose now with Zoom because I think I can pick up most of it in this platform when we get to see each other and it's real time. I think we get a lot of it in this. We don't get all of it. Your observations, Bear, you raised the question. I'm sure you got a thought or two on this. Well, no, I think you're absolutely right. The biggest loss to me is, to use a word that Jeff used prior to our starting the recording, was the gestalt of it. The overall sense of what's going on around you, or around the person you're coaching more so. I have a client who's a physician and who's the head of a major medical system, and I've never been in that system with him. So when he chooses to share with me some of the decisions he's got to make and some of the issues that he faces. I've not been in that environment to see the gravity of it. I mean, because one thing that I don't know or understand when he speaks with urgency is the impact of those things on that system. I think when you're, you're actually there, you can get a feel for that much better. Now, in the end, I don't think that modified much of what our contact would be, but it would help me a lot to be there, probably more so than the client, to be able to get that sense of environment. Yeah, good observation. I think the client doesn't need that as much as we need it in the coaching relationship. To what degree have you two been involved in hybrid conversations or hybrid meetings where some people are coming to the encounter through a platform and others are there face-to-face and you're trying to manage this whole thing in one space? Any thoughts on that? Have you been in hybrid meetings? I have not been in hybrid meetings. I've done leadership meetings. You know, we had some people were in a room, in an actual room, and others were there by remote, Mm -hmm. not where I was actually face-to-face with some folks. And then we had other folks that were just simulcast into the space. I've not done that. Well, I had to do a couple workshops at Purdue University, and I found there are a couple forms. One is everybody is on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And then others where you're completely live, everybody's in the room. And then the third one is what I'm referring to as a hybrid meeting. Some people coming in through Zoom, some people there face-to-face. And I have found the third one, the worst possible alternative. It never works for the person who's on the technology. They never get a full experience. So I just wondered if you had any experience with that. But I would say to the listeners, if you haven't done this yet and you're invited to participate in a hybrid meeting, you ought to really raise questions. So far, I haven't heard the reason why we ought to go remote. Are there advantages, do you think, to being remote? Well, I think you gave one. The time factor is so amazing. I mean, where if I was coaching up in Chicago and I would drive two hours and try to build a schedule that would have at least three or four or five appointments in it, so it justified my time up there, and then drive home, that's all gone. That drive time is disappears. And so it's amazingly efficient to do things remote. And I was just going to add to that in not only this time savings, but there's something about being in a media rich environment. Like I remember when I used to go down to a radio station and I had to do these little 60 second uh, thoughts for the day. Everything in a radio station gets time. You know, your DJ's time, time in between the, the song, everything's time. It's an efficiency because it's medium rich. Even here today, we're much more aware when we get on this program and we're done, we've only got so much time. And I do think working in a medium rich environment like video, it just moves you to think more efficiently. It's not like I'm walking in your office and it's, hey, where'd you get, are those your kids over there? And, and there's a good thing to that in terms of get to something substantive and do good work, but you don't feel the same level of maybe there's being casual or, you know, just to kind of catch up and kick back for a few minutes. You feel pretty much on point and uh, there is some efficiency to that. 
Interesting, JT, because actually you hit upon something that I had not identified in myself, that when I do these kinds of coaching sessions on Zoom, I feel like we got to get at it. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. it's not a case of I'm wasting time when I was doing it interpersonally. It's just that there's a greater sense of we're here for a purpose. Let's get at that purpose. And to that end, I would say another thing that I saw change dramatically in my coaching as we went to a virtual world was prep and how much time I spent prepping. Now, it wasn't so much the time I spent as it was prepping to create a structure that lent itself more to the kind of encounters we have in a Zoom session versus face-to-face. One of the things that I do now is I ask each person I'm coaching to provide me with a one-page summary of three or four items they want to talk about, an agenda, so to speak, and then an update. Mm-hmm. Go so far as if someone has not done that, I will assume that they have not invested enough time. And I'll send them an email saying, since I didn't get your one-page summary in preparation for today, I'm assuming we shouldn't be talking today. So do we want to reschedule? And I found it extremely helpful, both on my end and on the other person's end, to spend at least a few minutes thinking about what do we want to talk about. So that's one thing for me, because I'm not big on prep. And yet I found that Moving to a virtual world has caused me to actually introduce that as a part of my coaching. One of the benefits to me of being remote is that I can have greater spontaneous contact, Hmm. particularly with people who are in situations I've mentioned as a physician. There are occasions where during the middle of the week, an unscheduled time, you might say, do you have a few minutes? Well, I can do that on Zoom, but I can't do that in person. Hmm. Timing of that requires upfront scheduling that you can't really ignore. But with the Zoom, I can do it instantly. If I'm available and he's available, that's the time that we can contact. So you can offer up more opportunities for contact with you as a result of the virtual environment platforms. Right. You can just fit in because you're not going anywhere. You're working from home or wherever you're working from your office. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's true. I've found that as well. It makes triage much more accessible. Mm-hmm. It- yeah, that's a great thought, Ray, that it, yeah, that really does lend itself to that. In that sense, you can be much more responsive to your clients. Triage, JT? These are not really <laughs> clients. These are patients and they're in emergency. Yeah, they you know, they they just need that they just need that coaching reassurance for maybe just a moment or two. Just let me run this play by you or get your feedback. Yes, indeed. The other thing based on the technology is you can actually record the session. Mm. Now I would never do that without asking permission, but There are some clients I would choose to record because often their presentation or their articulation of the issues are not as clean or concise or as clear to me. And so by recording it, I can run that back by me and say, oh, okay, I get it. I see how those things are connected. Now, like I say, I've only done that on one or two occasions where I've run into a client. The way they communicate is not as clear to me. Mm -hmm. But in general, I, I think that's an added advantage if you ever felt the need to come up with some real clear summaries. I want to come up with very detailed action that we can take from what we've been saying and so on. Absolutely. You know, we're getting close to time and that causes me to actually want to ask the question, going forward, this is our world. We're going to live in a world in which now we can do both. We can go back to being interpersonal face-to-face and we can do it through these kinds of platforms. Any decisions on your part of as to how you're going to handle things and what the criteria will be as to whether you will treat it in one way or in another? Well, that's an excellent question. For me, it's an issue of proximity. If I'm yeah. going to face-to-face, it's got to be close. I'm not traveling hmm. hundreds of miles to have a one-hour conversation, and I don't want to travel hundreds of miles 
helps if I can have four or five conversations. Mm-hmm. So for me, proximity will be the issue. If I feel like the connection that we've made over Zoom is not as strong as I feel it needs to be, then I might suggest getting together face-to-face because I think there might be some ways I can improve that. Mm-hmm. One thought I would just add to that quickly is that I think I would still see managing the stakeholder relationship, the sponsor relationship for experience. I think there's still a need to be face-to-face and spend that time to cement yourself as, a, as somebody who's part of their extended team. Or more so from that standpoint, I think, than necessarily from the client that you're coaching standpoint. And I'd go back to what we said earlier about the importance of context as to what you lose when you go to a platform, a mitigating communication platform. And I would say the more important the context is, the more likely I am to go face-to-face. So for example, I've been asked to do a, a leadership development group with 10 men around a particular topic. And the executive is saying, one of these people are going to be my successor. All of these people are in line to be strong leaders in this organization. And my inclination right away was to say, we probably need to do this face-to-face. If you really want me to give advice to you on what I'm seeing and what I'm observing and the candidates you have in this meeting, probably doing that over Zoom is not the best strategy. And so I can see the relevance of context and how important it becomes as another criteria for how we would make that call. Well, guys, I can't believe it, but we're out of time again. We just run the course on every conversation. Too much fun. JT? We're going to invite you back, but we're not going to keep demanding that you be here because I think, frankly, we've run out of cool towns in Washington. Yeah, that's it. There, there, there aren't too many, and you certainly have hit the major ones. So yeah. that's right. So you'll have to move. Yeah, so, don't worry. But I'll send you some tulips wherever I go. <laughs> the twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast. 